Hello, everybody. Uh, we've got Lindsay Harbert Silverman. We've got me, Rebecca Lieb. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> did you? Did we confuse you guys? Because I said her name and she and said, I said my her name. name. <laughs> wow. All right. <laughs> Sit down. Keep breathing. It's gonna be okay. Yeah. Um, today we sat down with the amazing Linda Morrell. She's mm-hmm. an Emmy award-winning producer. Emmy. You guys ever heard of it? Mm. Uh. Anyway, (laughs) she's an Emmy Award winning producer of shows like Key and Peele. You guys ever heard of it? Nope. I'm just going to keep saying that. Just keep pausing and they'll be like, yeah. (laughs) They have. This is a real call and response. To nobody, yeah. Um, Key and Peele, Playing House, Heather's coming to the Paramount Network. That's right. She's amazing. She's got a lot of advice. A lot of stories. A lot of stories. Music, producing, the business. The hustle. She knows the hustle. The hustle. So stick around. Coming right up. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're here with Linda Morrell, who is... Hi, guys. An amazing woman, producer. She's an Emmy winner. Yeah, got that gold. Um, yeah, yeah, girl. She's worked on such shows as Key and Peele, Playing House, Teachers, soon to be, well, you've worked on Heather's. It'll yeah. be out eventually. Um, so, yeah, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. Thanks for calling me. I feel so, like, Well, you are a honored. boss bitch, girl. Yeah, you are absolutely boss I meant bitch. to wear my boss bitch necklace, and I, oh. I, I, today I went like this. I'm like, shit, I forgot my <laughs> boss bitch. I do have one. We'll put it on the Instagram. Absolutely. Oh, I will. Yeah, yes. Please do. Yes. yes. Please do. Um, so thank you so much for joining us. Yes. Uh, let's start at the beginning, I guess. All good mm. things start at the beginning. Yeah. Like. I told you not to ask me about my stripper life, guys. Well, you said Linda, it twice we now, and I am tempted. <laughs> Three times that we're talking about stripper, stripping. I actually passed the body shop on my way here and yeah. just thought that would be an amazing documentary yeah. to go in and talk to those strippers. Yeah. Don't well, you think? No. Would it just be sad? It's super sad. Like I, I grew up with a girl who was a really good friend of mine. She had babies young. Mm-hmm. And... When I was like 22, I was watching her two kids because she would pick up a shift oh. as a air quote DJ. Oh, at the bo- oh, not the body DJ shop, code, the other one. Code word for stripping? Is there a code profession? <gasps> well, dancer. dancer. There's dancer. Then there are like dancer. One yeah. one time, someone was like, "I'm going dancing," and I was like. I got it. And she's like, no, you don't got it. Like, I'm, I'm a professionally trained dancer. It's like, <laughs> like, oh. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, listen, here's the thing. I've, I've never actually been to a strip club, strip club, which I think is surprising mm. for me. Um, but I have been to Jumbo's Clown Room. Yeah. <laughs> and that's that's like, I have a friend that was fired from there for being too normal. Really? Oh, yeah. I can nice. see that. So like, where's your snuggy routine? Yeah. Okay. Nope. <laughs> Get out of here. Nope. She was too normal. Too pretty. Uh, she was too pretty. She told me. She's like, I got fired from there for being too normal. Oh, my God. That has never happened in the history of, like, anything. No. <laughs> except Jumbo's Clown Room. Except yeah, Jumbo's. right. Oh, man. I saw a woman outside of Jumbo's, and she was smoking a joint. And she looked very like, like a Vietnam War vet. Like she'd seen shit. You know, oh, she bless was in, her like, heart. Green, you know, like and tie dye. And she was just like smoking a joint. And the bouncer was like, "You can't do that." And she's like, "Shut the fuck up." And I was like, "Ooh, <laughs> Wait, was she a dancer?" <laughs> yeah, she was a dancer. I saw her later. Get inside. it, girl? Wow. Yeah, she's like, Good I am. Her. You know what? Sorry, fun. that's vets at work. Exactly. Yes. And I'm dancing to Riders on the Storm. Uh, <laughs> inside, and you guys are gonna like it. 
<laughs> did you? Did you like it? I think so. I was also pretty drunk too, but it's yeah. It's like a go. It's like a it's bikini a, bar. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind um, of more burlesque. Oh yeah. man, uh, we should have a stripper on the show. We will. <laughs> yeah. Not it. <laughs> Wait, is that for real? Did you actually? No, I'm kidding. Oh my god. All right, I'll give you three. I'll give you three facts, please. And you guys guess which one is actually right. Hell yes. Okay. Okay. Um, stripper toured with Van Halen. <gasps> well, the the third one, you know, I usually say, or I have an Emmy. When people say, give me three things mm-hmm. and tell me something that's not true. Oh, my God. So stripper is not true. But you did tour with Van Halen, right? I did tour with Van Halen. Okay. Let's... Oh, so that's two truths. Yeah. So it doesn't really work in this setting because you guys have too much information. <laughs> but when people we say, give us three, give us three, three facts. Yeah. Yeah. What do people usually say is a lie, the Emmy? Uh, Van Halen. Really? Mm-hmm. So you started in music, though. Right. No, I started a talent agency Oh, as a floater. Do you guys know what that is? No. What no. Is that? So it's like a secretary pool. It was at an a, um, agency called Triad. And Triad was the precursor to William Morris. William Morris was much smaller. They bought Triad for their music department because they had everybody. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I worked for, well, how I got to work with them is kind of interesting. Um, so I'm a, I'm, I'm a floater. And so you go around to sub on people's desks Mm -hmm. you know agents desks when their assistants are out or whatever and i used to watch this guy get screamed at all the time his name was jonathan jonathan (laughs) roll my calls jonathan my lunch is wrong they would throw stuff at him they were so mean to poor poor jonathan Jonathan. he's probably running shit now but anyway i hope he is i went to lunch with him one day and i was like dude how do you do that agents yelling at you it was like during the heyday of agent hazing Mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. And he's like, oh, I'm from a military family. I'm kind of used to loud, whatever. The next day, he told me he quit. Oh. <laughs> he was moving on. And I was like, wow, okay, good for you. Mm-hmm. So I'm going up the elevator with the woman who gives you your assignments for the day. And she's like, where did I put you? Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, no. Uh-oh. You're going to have to go work with Bill Gross today because Jonathan quit. <laughs> And I'm like, awesome. And you had lunch with him the day before. Yes. He did not tell me he was leaving. Yeah. And you're like, how in, how on earth could you ever stand this? Yeah. No, it was the worst. <laughs> now it's me. So um, I was like, great. Today I quit or get fired because I cannot take that kind of abuse. Right. This is actually the, this is the birth of boss bitch, right? Mm-hmm. Here it goes, guys. So that day I got there because all the floaters get there early. I got there early. I looked through his calendar. I looked to see who we had lunch with frequently on what days where his reservation were i redid his whole phone call list i had the shit under control and he walked in and he passed me you know past the assistant desk and he looks over and he was like oh it's right jonathan's gone and he walks into his office so i walk in with like a new call list and like everything's organized oh i confirmed your your reservation today uh for lunch blah 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 and i sit down and he just looks at it and he looks at me and I said, okay, I can do a lot of things at one time. I'm really efficient. I do not deal with people yelling at me. So yes. if you do not yell at me, I will keep everything straight. This will work out just fine until you get an assistant. And he looked at me and he went, okay. Oh, wow. And he never, ever, ever yelled at me. Really? Nope. Wow. How long were you on his desk? So then they sold Triad and... um 
he gave up his annual bonus to keep me because they wanted to replace me at William Morris with a trainee, mm. an agent trainee. And I was just a ghetto bitch from Eagle Rock. Yeah, Eagle Rock. <laughs> <laughs> with half an education. <laughs> like two years of junior college. Um, not even. Um, it's okay. So, I, I don't have much college either. I have too much college. Look at me now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I stayed at William Morris for three years as his assistant. And in that time, I had knee surgery. He would send a car to pick me up. Took he me. loved you. Oh. Yeah. I also knew that he was like, he had some dirt. And so to keep <laughs> me quiet, I'm not going to say it, but, you know, t- Tiffany earrings and shit would show oh, up. Oh, shit. Every yes. now and then just to keep me happy. <laughs> but um, when he gave me a client called Culture Clash, these three Latino sketch comedy guys are a little political. They're from Northern California. He said, you know, you'll get them like they're they're right up your alley. And um, I helped him lock in the sale of that show. Mm-hmm. And he said he called me in his office one day. He said, these guys are going to give you a job, offer you a job. So if you tell me right now you want to stay and be an agent, I will go fight for that. But if you want to take that job, you should go because it's a great opportunity. And it was like a scene from Working Girl, right? Because mm-hmm. they're like, well, we'll make you the casting director. I'm like, cool. Mm-hmm. I'm 22, casting director job. Uh-huh. And I walk in. Uh, it was when Fox was up here on Sunset. And I walk in and I like sit at one of the assistant desks. It was totally Working Girl. You've seen, yes. right? And... Uh, the woman that was working with there was like, no, your your office is right there. And I was like, oh, and I got my little lunchbox <laughs> and walked in there like, oh, I have a real job. I didn't know what I was doing. So you do what everyone else does is yeah, you call you, someone who knows. Yeah. And um, I had a friend named Steve Adams that worked in theater and he did casting and he was like, here's what you got to do. And he broke it down to me and and I got through the first season and I was like, I don't like casting. Can I do something else? Um <laughs> They made me an associate producer. Uh, I was booking bands and all that stuff. And then I ended up going into business with these guys. As like We, we did some um, some big concerts with Rage Against the Machine and <sighs> George Lopez. And it was like a 24-hour music and comedy festival, mm-hmm. downtown LA. Um, and then I had all these music contracts, contacts, and that threw me into to music. So what – so you – were the casting director, then you became the associate producer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, how did you kind of part? You obviously made all these contacts, and then how did you parlay that into jobs with them? What did you do with with all the different musical acts that you got to know? So I was working at what used to be it's now Harry Potter Land, guys, but oh, it was yeah. uh, the Universal Amphitheater. Oh yeah. And I worked for a booker there who used to book all the bands and um that's how i got to know all the managers and agents and all that stuff Mm -hmm. and um i had one friend from the rave scene yeah baby (laughs) we'll we'll go back to that Uh, he was a dj uh he worked at warner records in the international department and he called me one day he's like hey there's this these two women um that are international artist development managers and One's from Argentina, one's Cuban. I think they're looking for a new assistant. Like, you guys are peas in a pod. So I came, interviewed, got that job, and then I stayed at Warner's for, like, nine years. Wow. And one of the women that I worked for straight up told me, she's like, I'm not going to be here forever. She went off to produce films, and now I think she works in, like, Latino television. But um, she told me, like, the first month I was there, 
learn everything you can from me because I'm not going to be here forever. And she just started giving me stuff to do. And so. So she kind of filled a mentor role for you. Totally. And how long was she there? Uh, A year. Wow. Yeah. It's also not, it doesn't seem that long. No. It like flies by. But you know, that's part of this whole thing. Mm -hmm. That's a girl looking out for her girl. You know what I mean? Like that's. Absolutely. That's what you do. You yeah. know, if somebody's competent and you know that that's going to happen, you don't want them to bring some dude in there that, you know, you're. So she really groomed me and got me got me in the position to do it. So that was amazing. And, you know, you're in your 30s and you have a corporate <laughs> credit card. And you're traveling the world on private planes. And, oh, my God. Oh, what a dream. And yeah. uh, the dream is not tour buses. But, yeah, because you can't yeah. poop on a tour bus. Oh. What do you do with your poop? Yeah. <laughs> I know. You can't. It's usually all guys, yeah. too. Oh, yeah. God. Oh, and you don't want to be. So it stinks. It stinks. Oh, my God. So yeah. a tour bus is basically just a bunch of punk beds, right? Yeah. That's like not... a coffin. Oh. It's horrible. Oh, and they always put the woman, like, over the one farter. Oh, you know, like the one yeah. guy in the band that's, like, the grossest. They always put him, put you over that. Oh. Yeah. What was the, how long were you on tour at a time? So I worked in Europe primarily. Mm-hmm. So I would go from, um, I had an office in Burbank. And then I would go out, basically how it worked is, we talked about Van Halen. So Van Halen's releasing a new album. They record it. We send it out to all the territories. At that time, Warner had 82. We send out all the music. The marketing people listen to it. Oh, yeah, we want to do this, this, and this. They send you their marketing plans. You fil- filter through them and say, okay, this would be great to do. We'll do these 10 territories. And then off you go. Mm-hmm. So then you just babysit them to yeah. make sure you know you travel with them, babysit them. I mean, do you have any good stories from the road? You don't have to name specifics. Yeah, just a vague, a vague, vague story. This is an artist, and this is the crazy <laughs> shit yeah. that happened. Oh, there was always crazy shit that happened. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. I, you know, the the amount, the things that people will do to get backstage I think were amazing to me. Oh my god. Like there was one chick, I'll tell you the, the band. There was this one chick, we were in Denmark and um she wanted to get backstage at a Deftones show. Mm-hmm. And the bouncer said, "Well, you're not a real fan. I don't see any Deftones tattoos." And she went down the street. No. And had Deftones tattooed across her right boob Whoa. and came back and was like, "Now can I get in?" And he didn't let her in. What? Oh, no. no. <laughs> And now she has to explain to everybody in the future how she got a Deftones tattoo on that boob. She didn't get to meet them. Oh, (laughs) man. Nope. (laughs) And the amount of passing around of, it's gross. I bet. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's not so much a band's, like, more like the the staff, you know, like Like the the guitar tech and the, yeah, yeah, they get a little little gnarly. Yikes. Yeah. You see a a lot of that. Yeah. But I will tell you, though, so my dad was a musician. Uh My dad's old Puerto Rican from New York, you know, went to music school in New York, played music. And so every time I would call him, he'd be like, oh, where are you? Oh, yeah, I'm in Germany with Deftones. I'm in Germany. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm great. Do you need money? (laughs) I'm making money. No, (laughs) no. Like, I'm here. I'm working. Okay. For like two years. And then I was in L.A. And I was like, Dad, you should come have lunch. We'll, we'll go to the lot. Warner's. It's going to be fun. He walked in. He was like looking around. You work here? I was like, yeah. What do you think I did? He's like, 
Oh, they got us so worried. I thought you were a groupie. Oh. <laughs> For two years, he thought he I thought was a groupie. groupie. Oh, yeah. Man. Because Thanks, women man. don't go on tour. Right. You know? Yeah. Like with bands, like unless you're a groupie. That's so yeah. funny. He thought I was a groupie. Oh, bless oh, his got heart. To see it. And yeah. then he gets to see it. No. <laughs> oh. No. Anyway, so yeah, music. Um, music. I, I left Warner's to manage back to the rave scene, uh, some DJs and stuff. And I ended up being out on the road with those guys too. Mm -hmm. So how many years did you spend out on the road? Mm. Give or take. With the rave stuff? Like with with the DJs? Probably 10. Damn. 10 or 12, 10, 11 years. Yeah. Yeah, I did a lot of traveling. A lot. Did you prefer the rave scene or the the It was totally different. It was totally different. I will tell you, though, that those DJs get treated, like some of the higher ones, mm-hmm. got treated better than like a lot of my big bands. Really? Wow. Oh, yeah. Why do you think that is? I don't know. They were pulling down some serious cash. I mean, they have a they have a pull, you know, mm-hmm. so yeah. they just treated them really well. Yeah. They always treated them really well. And I had one DJ that I worked with for a long time, and, and uh, I think maybe it got to him a little bit, but I we were working out of our house. He was We were all living together. And uh, one day he just didn't want to come out of the room. <laughs> and I was like, shit, well, this is not good. I was like, you need to sort your stuff out, and i got to mm-hmm. figure out something else to do. It was literally one of those things where, like, oh, okay, the end is the end here. Is yeah. yeah, The end is here. And I got a phone call out of the blue from this girl I worked with at Culture Clash. Uh-huh. She's like, hey, I'm doing this comedy festival for Showtime, a Latino comedy festival in San Antonio. Do you want to come and – She's like, I got a spot for you. I was like, yep. So, wow. You're done with the time. Yeah. (laughs) It's always kind of work like that, though. I got to tell you, I've had, I have one friend that says, oh, she's from Jersey. She's like, you're always stepping in shit, man. (laughs) She's like, how did you, how did you get that job? I'm like, oh, someone called me and, you know. Mm Oh, you're always stepping in shit. It's a very Jersey. It's thing weird because it's I, a very Jersey. In my mind, say. stepping in the shit is a bad thing, but it feels like you were always just like rest, like not like rescue, but like got like one opportunity after the other. Like the phrase. I did. Like I did. I I will tell you. A couple, like a couple years ago or a year and a half ago, I was doing some work with Covenant House just down the street, mm-hmm. and I was talking to these their homeless youth kids and they were asking about like oh how did you make it how did you you know get to where you are or whatever and I told them all the same thing which is you guys are ahead of the curve you got to figure out where to eat where mm-hmm. to sleep how to stay safe how to stay clean you have to figure those things out that's called a hustle mm-hmm. if you can hustle and not be a dick you will get a job yeah. it's that easy but you know, people don't want to hustle or they expect things handed to them. And and I just come from, I always come from the mindset of like, I didn't have family in the business and my dad wasn't a producer or in music or I mean, my dad was in music, but not at that level. Um, but you, you, I didn't have any of those things. Mm-hmm. I just had a desire to do it. So if somebody said, can you do this? I'd always say, yep, mm-hmm. I can do that. And then you figure it out, right? Yeah, absolutely. And totally. that's the hustle. I have friends that went to law school that have student loans up their ass still at our age and were pissed off that I was doing 
financially and you know a little bit more sexy life than they had Mm -hmm. they were pissed right yeah because they're like well i went to college and i did all this stuff and you just come through and i'm like i don't just come through like you have to have a hustle yeah you've been working your ass off for years your schooling Mm -hmm. was just different than theirs and you weren't paying money for it that's what keith and i always say we come from the school of hard knocks there you go it's a different kind of mentality i know so many people who would just like they don't have the the motivation to the drive yeah yeah yeah, yeah and, it's, and it's been i've been i always say i've been really lucky i've been really fortunate because mm-hmm. i i have had like amazing mentors or i align myself with the right people that have always invested in me so i try to pay it forward and do it to other people like as soon as i find people that i'm like oh that person's good mm-hmm. yeah you know always recommend them always bring them along for the ride like that's yeah. how you build your army totally and especially as you're getting older you're gonna depend on those people. I'm like, mm-hmm. hey, I know, I know you're a VP over at production now. Can you give an old lady a job? I remember when you were a PA and yeah. I got you yeah. to be able to shadow a director, yeah. which is the the nicest thing is, and I feel like Rebecca, you can commiserate on this. So often in this industry, people are afraid to champion younger, mm-hmm. like people that are coming up because. Especially, I, I think a lot of writers look at them as a threat. Mm-hmm. And working with you, you are always opening doors for people coming Thank up, you. which is amazing. Awesome. I try to, you know, awesome. when somebody deserves it and they're good and mm-hmm. you're like, you're not giving them anything. You're just opening the door. And I've used this analogy so many times because I have a friend who recently, he was a PA for me like 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's a writer now and he's a producer and. And he had recently said, oh, but you gave me this opportunity. I said, I didn't give you shit. Mm-hmm. I didn't give you anything. What I did is I opened the door. You know how many times I opened the door? It's up to you to step through it. It's up to yeah. you to step through it and, like, I mean, break it down, you know? Right. I can't do that part for people. Mm-hmm. But if they're willing and I see a willingness to do something, then you put it and you can skim out the junk pretty quick. Oh, for sure. You know, yeah. you, they, you they know, their colors the quality can get real low. So like, <laughs> how did you even end up yeah. here? How are you still alive? Did you, how do you sign paperwork? I don't yeah. even, I'm not even sure. Yeah, it was weird. This whole foray into producing too. So Keith Raskin, who's my partner, um, during the writer's strike, I was working on that clip show and it was in hell. Like I was just hating it. And um, he called me out of the blue and said, hey, this this woman, Jonna, recommended you. I'd only known Jonna on email because we both worked for Nickelodeon. Mm-hmm. And he, she was his coordinator. She left, and he was doing this Root of All Evil show with Louis Black. And he said, um, you know, would you be interested? And I said, oh, hell yeah, except that I'm working right now in Glendale. I can't really leave for an interview, whatever he drove from Santa Clarita to Glendale. That's oh, so nice. To meet me at the Jackass coffee shop. It's <laughs> no longer there, but I will always remember that. And uh, he sat across the table from me, and he was like, I know the guy that you're working for, so I understand that you, you know, your willingness to leave so quickly. And I said, I will work super hard, you know, whatever you need. And he said, do you want to produce? And I said, I do want to produce. He goes, all right, well, here's how this is going to go down. You're going to do all the work. And you're going to learn everything that you can. And I'm going to get paid really well. And you're going to get paid really shitty. But you're <laughs> going to get a great education. And you're going to be hands-on training. And I said, sign me up. I'm good. Yeah. And so he brought me onto that show. 
And never before, like any show as a coordinator that I worked on, did anyone keep me through posts. Like that's sort of unheard of. Mm-hmm. But he kept me working up until the week before my wedding, which was amazing. Oh um, and then from there, it was just like one show after the other. And I was coordinating. Then he made me a production supervisor. And I was supervising. And, um, and then we started tag teaming producing. And I eventually said, when's this part about me making shitty money and doing all the work? When's that? Is there an end date to that? (laughs) Um, But he made good on it. And and it's funny because you know Keith. Mm -hmm. Keith is surrounded by women. He He is. He knows the value of strong, hardworking women. He does. And his wife is like no bullshit. I've never met his wife, but I've heard amazing things about her. She's, I mean, she used to be a line producer. Mm -hmm. So she gets that world. Right. But she's the one that said, you know, I'm not happy with my children's education. I'm going to start a charter school. And now I don't know how many they have all over the country. Seriously? Yeah. Whoa. She wasn't in education. She did. And now she's got several. Actually, they were in Denver this weekend opening a new school at a museum. So he knows he, he has been very smart to surround himself with power, powerful you know, confident women mm-hmm. yeah. and raising his daughter that way too. She's awesome. But, um, but we work so well together and it wasn't that hard to form a partnership. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's really, that was kind of like the last brass ring for me. I'm like, okay, now we can get going and, nice. you know, produce more stuff. Yeah. You guys stay so. very, very busy. We do. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool to watch the two of you work. I've worked with Linda and Keith on two shows now. Um, and Heather's was the first time that I worked more closely with Keith. Mm-hmm. His playing house, they had two shows going at once. But um, there can be some monsters on the production side. And you guys are not that. Thank you. Yeah. You are just a joy and a pleasure. Oh, and I feel like you have such a loyal group of people that stick with you because of that. Which is nice. Yeah, I mean, Christina, our our uh, production coordinator, she was a chain smoking PA for us back on the league. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and and um, and she buckled down and was like, "I want to do this." And Emily came in. Emily's my uh, assistant production coordinator. She came in. I left production for a short stint, and I'll tell you that story because it's very weird. But um, but Emily came in. So if this girl I know emailed me a resume and said, this is my friend. She's really smart. She's here at this visual effects company right now with me, which is the one I had just left. And um, and she really wants to work in production. And I said, okay. all right. So I literally threw her resume at Christina. I was like, you have to call her in an interview or whatever. And Emily came in, and she was so cute, but I could not get over the fact that she sounded just like Brittany Murphy. So I was like, oh, <laughs> keep talking. She does sound just like Brittany Murphy. Right? Yeah. So um, so she sat there, and she said, um, I noticed that there's dishes in the sink in the kitchen because I went in there to wash my hands. I'm totally willing to do those and put them away <laughs> for this job. <laughs> I was like, you're hired. <laughs> Best interview ever. So, oh. For a clean kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes. oh. yeah. So, so what was the what was the leading production oh, for a spell? Mm-hmm. So I did this movie um that shot in LA. It was a product a Mexican production company. And they shot in LA for a week. 
And I was like, guys, we got to call the, like, we had trailers, we had locations, we had all this stuff. We got to call the unions. No, 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 no unions, no unions. I'm like, Jesus, this is going to be a hot mess. So anyway, they put me through basically three weeks of, like, the worst three weeks of production of my life where they wanted me to do everything, but they didn't want to listen to me. Like, just, it was a mess. And so um, after that movie, I told Keith, because he wanted me to come, it was First season of Key and Peele. Mm-hmm. And I said, no. I'm leaving production. I'm going inside. <laughs> I'm going to do a nine-to-five job. <laughs> He's like, there's no way you're going to survive. I'm like, no, I'm doing this. So I left. And then he called me. He's like, are you sure? You know, it's starting in a couple weeks. No, I don't want to do it. He's like, I'm going to keep calling you because eventually you're going to have a bad day and you're going to come back. And I said, <laughs> fine, keep calling me. There was one day that this producer that was working, she came from commercials or whatever. She came in, and the best analogy I can give you is somebody telling you to put, like, if you were to say, hey, I want you to park that van in this room. And you're like, can't do it. It's not possible. So you're telling me that you can't put the van. Nope, can't do it. It's not possible. She could not understand why this situation wasn't going to work, mm-hmm. right, that she was asking me to do. So the last thing she did is threatened to call my boss who was in New York and, like, walked out of my office and slammed the door. And I just felt my blood start bubbling. <laughs> and then I was like, wow, uh, I took a permanent job. So she's not going to be gone in three months, and I'm not going to be gone in three months, and I already hate her. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I'm going to do. And literally my phone Text message. You seriously do always step in shit, don't you? Yeah. And it says, hi, are you having a bad day? I have a screenshot of it. Like I saved it. And I said, yes, a very bad day. He said, great. Uh, Can you start in two weeks? And I said, yes. That's amazing. And I called and I quit. It was so crazy. And it's always sort of happened that way for me. But I'm so, I want to find her. I want to find her and <laughs> shove my Emmy in her face. Yeah, I want you to do that too. I do and, too. Uh, and, you know, say yeah. thank you. Yeah. Thanks for, for being me such that an bad ass. Day. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that was, um, that was quite a few years ago now. And um, because I went to Key and Pielo, that brought the gold. Mm-hmm. Yeah, baby. Yeah, it was good. It was also really cool. My husband, who's like amazing and, He's like, no, my job is to brag about you because I'm always like, mm, you know, <laughs> showing the TSA agent. He's like, my wife won an Emmy. I'm like, easy, <laughs> easy. <laughs> no cell phones allowed in here. <laughs> True story. He did. He told the, the English, the English uh, immigration people. <laughs> my wife won oh. an Emmy. Because, <laughs> well, you know, they look at your card and they're like, television producer. They're like, anything that we know? And he was like, oh, can I pull my phone out? Mm-hmm. They're like, yeah. <laughs> Shows That's adorable. Them. Yeah, yeah, it's really cute. Amazing. But um, he he's the one that he tells people all the time. And he just told me last week, there was a woman that he works with that he showed, she asked about me and he showed her a picture. And he said, I just want you to see that she's the only woman in there with these six men in this photo. She's the only woman in there. She's only one of the only brown people, you know, mm-hmm. on that year of panels even though I was on the Taraji P. Henson watch list. <laughs> um, but, um, but yeah, he, it, and she said, can I have a picture of that? Because I want to show my daughters. 
And that to me makes me oh, feel absolutely. like yes. so yeah. amazing. You know, it's like you don't when you grow up like I, I, you know, my dad was a worked for the post office. My mom was a stay at home mom for most of our life. And you don't ever think that those things are possible mm-hmm. um, unless you have great people around you and friends or parents or you get curious, curious enough to go out there and try to find out. You know, how easy is it? How hard is it? Right. Mm-hmm. Do I love it? Seeing yourself reflected potentially and, yeah. you know, on a path that you could, you didn't even know was one that you could take, you know? Yeah. So having that example is pretty amazing. Yeah. Like I remember being 12 and saying, I want to be a, a, like an orthopedic doctor or something mm-hmm. crazy because I was into sports and yeah, who knew? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't end up a stripper, though. That's pretty good. That's hey, true. no hate on the strippers, though. No, they got to make their money. <laughs> They're making I'm their st- money. I'm spinning a story about your potential stripper life. I just, just spent way too many hours around <laughs> strippers, I think. I remember when I was 18 or 19 and broke as a joke and just thinking to myself, could I, could I be a stripper? And it always came back to, no, Lindsay, you're too hairy. Oh, no. <laughs> that was way before I could afford laser hair removal. Mm-hmm. But that was my big, <laughs> the big roadblock for me. Just way too hairy. Have Couldn't you seen something? Like, that's really not a concern for a lot of people. Well, yeah. again, I've never been to a strip you're club. Niche. Maybe I should have done some research. Uh-huh. But oh, that would, then we probably all would not be sitting here right now. So. Yeah. I know. Yeah. There was one girl that worked with my friend who was from Estonia. Mm-hmm. I don't know if some guy brought her here to marry her. <laughs> but she was working in the strip club, and she was saving money like a mad woman. Yeah. And she went and got her pilot's license. Damn. And she's like, I'm going to fly planes. I'm like, I love that. okay. Good for yeah. her. And that's what she spent her money on. You know, when you hear about strippers saving for college and all that stuff, I think that a lot of that's real. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I feel like so many times it's just like, oh, well, strippers spend their money on drugs. Well, no, sometimes Mm -hmm. women just, that's their way to be able to pay for, you know, their next Listen, there's no way in hell it's easy. No. You know? No. And I'm sure, like, on a day that you don't want to go in, it's just, like, the worst. Yeah. Can you imagine thinking about your Monday and your Monday is having to have the lunch shift? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And sweaty dudes that smell like booze from the night before just pawing at you. Just gross. And the strippers that I know are sober for the most part. Yeah. I think you have to be. Do that sober too. Oh God. Yeah. But I guess the wherewithal, you know, like. Yeah. You got to be in your right mind. Yeah. 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 So shout out to our stripper sisters. Yeah. Keep, keep uh, representing. Yeah. Thanks. Keep it tight. Yep. Yeah. Right and tight. <laughs> yeah. But You're... I think back to your life. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of the potential stripper life you could have. Ah. Um, I feel like there's a through line too with it, which is honesty and respect with the people that you worked with. Even from when you worked at Triad, just like being honest with your boss and having the courage oh, yeah. to like say what you needed and say how you felt. And I, I feel like that's really hard, especially when you're young and nervous and don't know what you're doing. Yeah. You know? Well, I've always been this way, and I, I just said this to someone yesterday. I give people a tremendous amount of trust until they give me a reason not to. I'm yeah. totally opposite of – I'm a very trusting person. And, you know, I've had two situations this year where I was like, oh, okay, I got you, boo. I know what's going on now, mm-hmm. you know? And and we can still work together, but I don't need any more friends. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know? And so because a lot of times, you know, I mean, I just 
celebrated a birthday in Italy and there was 20 some people that came and mm-hmm. one of them was Emily who was used to be my assistant who's now our our assistant coordinator but she's she's like a little sister to me too she's my friend I've never had a a boss assistant relationship with her mm-hmm. you know we did definitely had our devil has uh, devil wears Prada moments where I'd come in <laughs> as a joke guys and throw my bag and my coat on her desk because it was funny yes mm-hmm. um but but I really like you spend so much time with these people in production mm-hmm. you really want to make it as pleasant as you can and so for me that means having trust with people and once I see that trust is broken I'll still keep it professional, but like, you know, you're not, you're not that person for me anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that to me is disappointing and, and hard because again, you want people to do well. You want to elevate them. I don't try to cheat people out of money or, you know, it's like we have a budget. We pay people. Mm-hmm. You want to be fair. You want people to have a living wage. You want, you know, you want good. Yeah. You want good for people. And so I think more times than not, like whenever we choose our people to work with, we're cool. Mm-hmm. Whenever I have an EP that's like, uh, can you give this person a job? Mm-hmm. We take them on with the best intentions, but I always say the same thing. I'm like, I'm not, I sell this to Keith when he wanted me to hire his sister-in-law. I'm like, oh, totally. But if she's junk, I'm going to let you know. <laughs> you know? And that, and you got to tell them like, hey, that didn't work out so well. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think trust and honesty, we're, you know, we're making entertainment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not we're not saving. I'm married to a fireman who was a paramedic mm-hmm. down the street here in Hollywood. He was in South Central for two years. When you see the look on his face when he comes home after running 17 calls in 24 hours, gunshot wounds, stabbings, overdose, Ugh. family disputes, like, you know, a woman who lost her two-year-old. Like, when you see those things, it's sort of hard to go to work and be a dick. Yeah. yeah. Like, really, it's 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 really – I kind of do the opposite where I'm like, you entitled little brats. Why are you complaining <laughs> exactly. about crafty? You get free food. Bring your own no, snacks. Perspective or, people. Yeah, 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 or people that complain about catering. Oh, this catering's so boring. I'm like – Bring your lunch. Yeah. You know there are some people that are cake. starving, right? Yeah. No, and you and you lose perspective because we are so spoiled. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. even down, even down to PAs. Yeah. It's like it's a privilege, and and I have had some PAs actually that I've worked with that don't understand that. Where I was like, do you understand? Like this is such a privilege. Mm-hmm. We're so privileged to do what we do. You can be with your fancy degree from USC. Working at Starbucks right now, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and nothing wrong with that, but you you get to come here every day, and yeah, it seems like oh, I have to run scripts; it's mundane or whatever. When you see the people that do it with a smile on their face and they're just happy to be involved in the process, and that's the other thing um, involving people in the process. Like PAs to me aren't cheap labor; mm-hmm. like you have to invest in people, mm-hmm. you yeah. know. So. We always try to treat it like a teaching moment. So, um, like Andrew, one of our PAs, yeah. I've watched that kid's short film. I think my husband's watched it probably ten times. It's so good, mm-hmm. and he he has a gift. He's he's another David Fincher. He's very creative. He's he knows where to put a camera. Like he's so good. 
And I'm like, what are you doing, dude? Let's make something. Mm-hmm. Like, right, right. And let's, we have the stuff. Like, let's do something so that you can show people what you can do. And, um, you know, he comes in all the time. He's so happy all the time. He's such a good, you know, hard worker. But he was freaked out when I said, I know you love this director. I already talked to her. You can shadow her for the week that she's here. And he's like, are you, are you serious? I'm like, yeah. And you don't have to come back to the office to lock up or to get people's lunches or whatever. Just go shadow a director. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that meant a lot to him. But, you know, you have it's opening the door. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Oh, what a wonderful yeah. thing you did for him. Yeah. I It pains me to see a PA there that's not feeling like part of the process or involved mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in things. You know, it's just, why are you there? Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah not, otherwise, it's just grunt work instead of learning the what production is and what goes into making. Oh, yeah. Christine... <laughs> I did an uh, Odenkirk movie a couple, like now it's two years ago. And Christina said, oh, there's a guy from my film school that's going to work on that show. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, okay, well, you're 35, so when was that, 10 years ago? So he's 35. He was PAing, mm-hmm. set PA, mm-hmm. and he was such an asshole. Oh, Ooh. God, he was so horrible. We're on a live street, and so I put a safety vest in his hand. I'm like, put a vest on, you're in the street. Turn around 10 minutes later, he doesn't have it. Give him another one. Ten minutes later, doesn't have it. So I'm standing with the location manager, the sound mixer, uh, our transpo coordinator. Oh, my, because we were shooting in my neighborhood, my husband came by. And we're all standing there. And I'm like, what is this kid? He's like almost got ran over by a truck. <laughs> so I call him over. I give him the last vest. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I don't know what you're doing with these things. You need to wear it. Yeah. Well, I gave it to wardrobe wardrobe's not in the street yeah. like put it on and be in the street or don't put it on and go home it's that simple yeah and he literally was walking away from me turns around with the safety vest sticks it in his back pocket and says oh like i don't have a hundred other jobs what yeah whoa and what so, else was he doing so, so kirk our transportation coordinator turns around and he goes oh I think he got 99 now oh my god <laughs> first time i ever fired somebody like off a set, like I just don't. Yeah, but I don't do that. Same also guy. Feels a little good though, right? Oh my god, I was furious. <laughs> but you know, to put it into perspective, like the day before, we were shooting somewhere, and they're like, "Oh, we're gonna see all of this catering stuff." So, mm-hmm. I start pulling up chairs with transpo, mm-hmm. and this kid's sitting there in a chair. I actually went around him pulling up chairs on his phone like this. Jeez. And I said, oh, don't mind us. Did he move? Nope. Well, that's how you oh. end up being a PA at 35. At 35 right. went to yeah. film school. <laughs> and so the AD that brought him on said, you know, he's just work- He's just used to working on big films. What? And I said. Well, he can go find yeah, a big film. I guess bye. I was like, as a PA? He's like, yeah. And I'm like, that makes it worse. That's not an argument to yeah. me. Oh, man. You know? Yeah. Like, why are you still PAing? 10 years yeah. after film school. He gave you yeah. your And it's your because nobody yeah. wanted to invest in him. They'll give him a job because he shows up and he can, you know. Right. Do whatever he does. Yeah. On big yeah. films. A million other jobs. Exactly. A million other jobs. Other PA jobs for people that feel like they maybe owe you something. Right. No. <laughs> I have a short list, by the way. Oh, ooh. I know. I know. I have names. 
names. Can we take a picture of your short list for the Instagram? <laughs> oh yeah, I'll scratch out. I'll scratch out the. I'll scratch out all the last names. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, um. I'll scratch out all the last names. And on Heather's, uh, one of the guys who's at the top of my list. Oh, his oh. name came through. Hot so gals. some somebody was like, "Yeah, I, I'm going to send you these Steadicam names." I'm like, "Okay." The agent, I talked to her. She's like, "Oh, I've got a couple people. I'm going to send them over." I said, "Okay." She sends me an email. That guy's on the top of the list, and I return the email, and I just said, "No, thank you." Isn't that yes. so nice when you can do that? Yeah. No, yeah. thank you. Ugh. No. I yeah. I and that like was I'm... a guy who we were doing like a weekend job. With Kurt Russell and his two sons, and Goldie Hawn was there, and it was 115 degrees in Chatsworth on like a Saturday and Sunday, and everyone was working for no money. Mm -hmm. Like it was just horrible, Uh but great at the same time because they were so into it. And and this guy thought I was a PA because we had no, we didn't have any money. So, you know, me and the location manager were pulling trash bags Mm -hmm. to the dumpster Mm -hmm. and setting up lunch and breaking down lunch and. And um, in his, I went in to ask him, like, when are you going to be ready? And he was like, you know, putting his hands up at me, like, uh, you know, doing that thing. And I was like, okay, I'm going to ask you again. I've got actors standing outside melting. Mm-hmm. I just need to know your ETA when your rig's going to be ready. He's like, I don't know, like 10 minutes or 10 minutes faster if you get out of my face. <gasps> and I said, cool. <laughs> made a mental note yeah oh meanwhile two of the camera assistants these two girls that I love to death mm-hmm. they were my camera assistants on Kim Peel so mm-hmm. they they came to help you know and they don't know this guy and they were sitting on the floor and they both looked up at me they were mortified yeah. mortified and so when I got to work the next morning we were shooting somewhere really early like at 5am and the DP from Kim Peel came over and he's like I'm so sorry I'm so sorry I'm like why are you apologizing He's like, he used to be one of my students. I said, yeah, he will never, ever, ever work on anything that I'm involved in, ever. And that guy sent me an email and said, I'm so sorry. I thought you were a PA. I was like, you just made it worse. Exactly. Oh, cool. That makes no money. Great. Yeah. Yeah. You just made it worse. Yeah. Oh, my God. What a dick. Yeah. I love hearing stories like that, though, because... The biggest, like the biggest currency, is being able to work really hard and be kind to other people. Mm-hmm. Like I think Easy. If you have those things. It's like, what is the problem? Or yeah. my version: keep your hustle on and don't be a dick. Yeah, yeah. kind of saying the same thing, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sounds way cooler than mine. Mine sounds very uh, white like, Jew. <laughs> just be nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just be nice. Uh, no, well, sorry. I feel like you've kind of already answered this question, mm-hmm. um, but we always like to ask our guests um, mm-hmm. kind of our our little send off for the ladies and gentlemen listening. But, you know, we're we're more lady focused because yeah. we can be. Um, if you were to give advice to girls, young women, whether they're going into production or just trying to live their best lives, mm-hmm. what would your advice be? Keep your hustle on and don't be a dick. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> We're gonna make a little, yeah. little right? Yeah, I'm gonna start a campaign. Absolutely. No, you know, I think, I think, especially people coming up, you have to know your power. You have to know your worth. You have to 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 treat yourself like you want to be treated. Mm-hmm. You know, people. My my brother in law um, told 
told me that he was telling his son, you know, you have to dress for the job that you want, not the one that you have. Mm-hmm. And and um, and it's kind of the same thing, but I think it's more emotional, you know, of of you don't have to be cocky, you don't have to be a know it all or any of those things, but but you should treat yourself how you want to be treated. And more times than not, especially with younger women, I see, you know, kind of moving towards the back. And and I think that women in general, a guy comes up, you know, he gets in your face, he's strong, he's whatever, and they everyone thinks he's badass, right? A woman does it, a woman does it and you're a bitch. Right. Mm-hmm. And so there's this fine line that you have to walk of like, you don't need to be a bitch, but you should be confident and secure in in what you know and never be afraid to say what you don't know because the answer is always I don't know that but I'll figure it out Mm -hmm. yeah or I don't you know and I I say it with assistants all the time I never want to hear somebody in a phone saying oh I don't know I don't want to hear somebody in the production office saying oh I don't know the answer is always let me get an answer for you Mm -hmm. because you don't nobody expects you to have all the answers yeah right so don't lie about it just say I don't know. I'm going to I'm going to figure it out. And I think that if you do that and you have that respect for yourself and you give the other person the respect of honesty, right? Going back to that, that you'll get so much further, so much faster. Mm-hmm. Um because then people know they know where you stand. They know who you are. Yeah. And they know you're honest. Mm-hmm. And you're yeah. not a bullshitter, which yeah. I feel like so often people why? Why know. waste your time? Know. You it's know, exhausting. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it isn't. You just say, I, I don't know how to do that, but I'm going to figure it out real quick. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and and um, I've told people time and time again, you could be great at your job, but if you're an ass, nobody wants to deal with you. Yeah. Mm-mm. If you're good at your job and you're still learning and you're still coming along and you know what your shortcomings are and you can be honest about that, and you're a nice person, they're. 10 times more likely to give you a job than the person who can type 400 words a minute. You know what I mean? It's like, Absolutely. no, they don't want, they don't want that. It's gotta be a good balance. It's gotta be a good balance. So I've been lucky. Mm-hmm. I've stepped in a lot of shit. <laughs> um, but I like to think that a lot of that has come from, from, you know, letting people know where I stand. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I can figure it out. I still, I still go to Keith every day. I'm like, I don't know. This budget, I don't can't figure out, you know. Mm-hmm. That that doesn't stop me from getting a job. Yeah, yeah. So awesome. No, not even getting a job. I mean, just thriving. Yeah, really. Yeah, yeah. So I think there's a uh, there's a book out there, guys. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Road to being a boss, bitch. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Girl, <laughs> don't be a dick. Yeah, also, that. that's the, that's the last page. That's the last yeah, page. That's it. Get an embroidered pillow. With oh them. yeah. I want all the embroidered pillows with all of the great phrases. Oh, yeah, gifts. I know yes. it's coming. Oh, Absolutely. Right. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks yeah, for having me, guys. It was fun. Yeah, so informative. Wonderful. This is my hot flash kicks in. <laughs> Perfect timing. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Linda. Thanks, guys. So fun. Yes, yes, yes.